In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. like the fear of not being loved or not being seen is another key one. So, um, oh, this is a great segue back to my book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. The, the pain of uh, heartbreak and death um, also is very healing if you allow it to be. And, you know, I, I talk about in the book how I've been divorced and it was really rough for me, but I think it taught me so much and I'm, I'm not, a, I feel totally different from, from who I used to be. Um, I, I'm a lot more, I, I was always kind of humble, but I feel like I'm a lot more humbled by life now and a lot more appreciative of just simple things like just kindness, you know, mm. and I, I try to try to value that in people. And um, I was having this thought the other day about how when trauma happens, it will, it will open a wound and it's your decision if you want to just paper that over and uh and ignore it or if you want to like kind of put some lemon and salt into it and maybe some <laughs> some uh disinfectant that will hurt yeah. for a while but then it will actually heal over and i think that's a key part of the work is to to like not run from mm. not run from the bad thoughts and the pain uh you know be by yourself and allow yourself to be overcome by despair at times, but, uh, but understand that you can fight through it. So it's an interesting point. So, so she left you, right? A handbook. So, for, so she left you. So <laughs> like, that's a pretty bold move to write about something so personal in your life. Like what was, did it take a while to get to the point to decide, okay, I'm going to write about this. I want to share this to help other people. Or what was the decision point to get there? I think at first it was, it was, um, I don't think it was a decision to like help anybody. It was mm -hmm. for sure for me at first to try to get some of my ideas and thoughts down and try to mm -hmm. understand certain things. But then it became, it got to a point, it's not a long book. I mean, you could probably get through it in, you know, three hours. So, um, 
it got to the point where I thought, okay, there's some ideas here and I don't see a lot of this being discussed, um, especially for men. There's mm-hmm. probably a lot more um, for women about, you know, grieving and, and loss and stuff like that, um, or more generalized. But I, I wanted something specifically geared towards men because my experience of it was quite solitary. I mean, I had friends and I had, you know, guy friends and girlfriends who would who would give me different perspectives. But ultimately, I just felt like I had to figure it out by myself. There wasn't a whole lot I could rely on. And so I thought that uh, there was maybe something that especially men could gain from from hearing about my experience. So I haven't done much with it. It's on my website. It's it's for free as a PDF. I don't know if I'll put it on Amazon. I, I'm trying to get a cover art mm-hmm. designer, but I haven't really found one yet. So right now it's just uh, it's just for free as a PDF from my website. So if anybody who's still on board with this uh, conversation wants to check it out, you can go to my website and there's like a little form that will, uh, you just put your email address in there and it'll get sent to you. you so feel far, dim- mostly women that have been reading it. Unfortunately, I'm trying to get men to read it, but like <laughs> it seems very difficult. Well, we don't like to talk about it. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's something that's really personal and, and sometimes yeah. reading things about why relationships fail force you to face those things. And I think that there's a lot of people in relationships that would rather have a dead relationship or, or may, maybe not want to, to do it. I don't know. Did you, do you feel different about being divorced after you wrote the book than prior to writing the book? Um, not really. What I find weird only is that I still have to file my tax return as a divorce person in Switzerland. I'm like, when does that go away? When am I just single again? Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't honestly think about it too much anymore. Mm-hmm. It, um, I just feel a lot, um, I don't know, I just feel a lot more grateful. I feel like a lot more grounded mm-hmm. and um, more mature, I guess. Yeah. If you were going to pull like a point out of that book to share with, with guys, like, you know, you said you, you were hoping more guys read them. Like, let's say that a lot of guys are watching this podcast or a lot of guys are watching this and read the title about your new book. What is, what is a piece of advice you could give them while they're still in the relationship and a piece of advice you could give them after they got divorced? Okay. So first one, while you're still in a relationship, Um, to the extent you can try to have a, like a relationship update every so often where you, you literally ask your partner, like, are you happy? You know, Mm -hmm. are, is there anything that you want to be different? Like just, but be vulnerable and try not, I mean, it's hard to do, but, um, you know, lower your defenses you know, ask what's good, what's not good, what you can do better, what she would like more of. Um, make, this is where I could have done better, which is make more effort at the romance. Because after a while, you just kind of get used to each other and you fall into your routines. And I could have been better at like, I don't know, just getting her flowers every once in a while. Like I wasn't great at that. Um, be more creative sexually, maybe. 
right? Instead of, cause it gets kind of routine, you get into it and you kind of know what you, both of you like and you know, what works, but then try new stuff, you know, go to a class, you know, go, learn Tantra together. Like, I don't know, just keep it, keep it interesting. Those are the two things I would say, or three things I would say during, mm -hmm. if it still doesn't work out and you do go through a divorce, um, one mistake I made was to try to rush the process because I didn't like how I was feeling. I didn't like feeling like a loser, like I couldn't be loved and I didn't feel like myself anymore. So I was maybe rushed to try to get back to feeling like I was myself again. And, um, yeah, I, I think I, I skipped some steps doing that at first. And then it came back later to bite me in the ass. Mm. Um, so it's going to suck. Like just, just plan for it to suck for like two years and be very weird. Um, and, and try not to rush the process and, and just do whatever you can to uh, address the pain and uh, the bad thoughts and all that that you're experiencing. You know, you, you said you wanted to get back to being yourself. Do you ever get back to being yourself? Or are you a new person? I meant the confidence part because I it's see. confidence. Like for me, it was like a confidence killer. So I just, mm -hmm. I didn't feel like my confident self for, for a while. And um, I got back there pretty quickly. But like I said, I skipped, I skipped a few things and then uh, it, it bit me later. And then I went, it was almost like this. It was like down and then up and then down worse and then up higher. And I think that um, that was why that happened is because I try to battle it too much. It's interesting. I'm, I was, I think, 11 when my parents got divorced. And there's this weird cloud of shame that hangs over it. And I, I've experienced it as a kid. Like, I, I was ashamed of my parents for getting divorced. And I'm wondering, did you feel this thing of shame? And, and, and if so, yeah. what, what is shameful about it? Like, what did you find shameful about it? I mean, it's, it's uh, on some level, it's just embarrassing because like, you know, you had everyone come to your wedding mm. and see you profess these vows of eternal love in front of everybody. And then a few years later, it's like, oops, I got that wrong. And now it's like, um, all right, well, <laughs> I don't really want to get married again. Cause it's like, okay, I'm sure this time I got it right this time. I promise everyone come back. Right. <laughs> um, so there's a little bit of embarrassment about that. And, and just, it's more, it's more just, it just, you lose your family. Cause I literally lost my, what my wife's family, you know, I was pretty tight with them. And, um, it is, it is somewhat embarrassing and, and, uh, people, it, it feels like whether it's true or not, it feels like you get judged for it a little bit. Yeah. Although not so much anymore. Cause so many people get divorced now. Yeah, but there's still there's still a stigma about it, and even if even if maybe there's not as much of a stigma about it, the fact that you feel there's a stigma about it now, you you just when you see people, you're like, oh, they're probably judging me, or you know, it's it changes you psychologically in some ways. At first, I thought that I don't care anymore. No, like, but in the beginning, yeah, I definitely felt the shame and the just just a feeling of failure. Like you just you you went all in, and you lost. Mm -hmm. You know that sucks. But hey, it's almost a rite of passage nowadays. So, you know, yeah. everyone going through it, it definitely everyone, a lot of people. That's, I think, one of the main things that opened my eyes was like almost that 
it was almost like a kind of a happy arrogance because I'm happily married and yeah, I can't yeah. believe people get divorced and like, why does that happen? Everything is so cool. And I don't know why are these people not happy. And then it happens to you and you're like, oh shit, this is the experience of like literally half of the population. Man. Like I'm not unique in this. Like a lot right. of people have done this and it's right. way worse for a lot of people probably than it was for me. Yeah. And then, and then it, it really opens your eyes to the human experience. Cause then you think, wow, like how many people were abused? Like what kind of messed up stuff was going on? I was lucky in that nothing really overtly bad happened, but there's a lot of situations where that's not the case. And they're just stuck in these horrible cycles and emotional loops. You know, so like you said earlier, I think your trauma and pain does end up letting you connect with the people because like, seriously, you're not unique in that. Yeah. I'm curious. I, I know that, you know, well, I was born in California and I, I know I've read a little bit about the laws only because I came from a broken home and, you know, I, that kind of caught my ear from time to time. And I spent, most of my friends came from broken homes. It's weird how that kind of happens, but you know, there was this idea that um, if when no fault divorce came onto the scene, that that it became easier to get divorced and more people did get divorced. What do you do you think that if it wasn't easy to get divorced, that it would be better for people? Like if it was very difficult to get divorced, might that be a better situation for families? That is a very interesting point. And I think there is merit to that. I don't know what should be done mm -hmm. in terms of legislation, but I do think I've come to believe anyway, that at the end of the day, love is a choice. Mm. And people have this idea of like, oh, I fell out of love. Mm -hmm. This person isn't the one. Okay. Right. But you have the choice to just go, you know what? This person's not perfect. This relationship is not perfect. I'm just going to choose to love this person anyway and just try and make it work. And I think I haven't spoken to people, you know, married a long time, yeah. but I think that a lot of them say that, that you just, you just have to choose the person and like choose the person that chooses you. Um, so yeah, to kind of reinforce what you were saying, if it's harder to get divorced, you might have more of that incentive to like, okay, I'm just going to make it. I mean, obviously there are cases of if, I mean, if the person's being abusive or whatever, right. Right. Um, you can't do that, but for, I'm assuming it's a more or less functional relationship, but maybe this spark is gone. A lot of people use that as an excuse, but I think you can work at that. I think you can choose to value the good in the person, choose to keep it mutually respectful um, and try to see them for the things that you once valued in them. So the no fault divorce does make that less, you don't have to fight, you know, there, there should be a little bit, a bit of a fight if you want to make that last. And, um, I think that maybe if that were the case, maybe I wouldn't have got divorced because we, we literally like went from happily married to divorce within like three to two months, you know? Cause it's just so easy to, to get out. We literally just have to fill out a couple forms, um, go to court, pay the court fee. And that was it dissolved. Um, and to me, yeah, there's something about that that feels a little bit 
week. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you, you can see it in modern day where people that are uh, – this is just an anecdotal idea. I, I, I think this, and I've seen some cases of it, but it doesn't mean it's something that happens all the time. But divorce on some level seems to be a measure of affluence. Like if you have enough, you can get divorced. But people that don't have a lot, that are both struggling, a lot of times those people will stay together because they need each other. And it's more than love. It's like, I need this person. Like I, I need them to take the kid over here. I need their uncle to, to, to help us. Or I take care of the mom. And like this idea of the family working in a way where people are not only in love, but they need each other. And maybe that's part of the love. Part of the love is like, I rely on them. I love that. You know, when, when you have, you know, uh, there's a great quote by, um, who was it? I think it was, a. Uh, Gore Vidal was talking to Hillary Clinton and he said he was at a dinner party and he says, Hillary, why is it that so many men hate you? And she goes, I think it's because I remind them of their first wives, <laughs> you know, and like it just it's this idea. My sister investigates corporate security fraud and she's constantly investigating sees a lot of high end white collar criminals and they're all like on their third or fourth wife. You know, and it, it just seems that when you achieve some level of, of something, maybe you can only love one thing. Maybe you could only love your career or your family. And maybe that changes back and forth. But, you know, I think when you, I think I'm kind of birdwalking here, but yeah, I think that if it's difficult to get divorced, whether it's because of financial need, financial needs or spiritual needs or just needing the other person, I think it adds that other dimension in there to make it, make that bond stronger in a weird sort of way. Yeah. Interesting idea. The idea of dependence yes. being an element to love, um, whether that's good or not, I don't know. Cause I'm, I, I don't know where I feel about this, honestly. Like something I yeah. thought about it quite a lot where I felt, no, no, I want, you know, I want independence. I, I, I want like us to choose to be together because we're not dependent on each other. But I don't know if that's the way. Like, I question that. Yeah. I really do. I, I I don't have the answer either. I I don't know. And I, the model I had, I always thought that, you know, you, you probably get divorced at least once, you know, and like that, that was a model in my family. Like most people have. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think I think maybe luck plays a big part in it, like all things. I think yeah. maybe waiting till you get older plays a role in it. You know, when you're young, you can I have lots of friends that were younger and you know, maybe they got drunk and, and had a crazy night, or you know, you're just so much more impulsive when you're young. You're not making great decisions and you know it, it it's, it's it's there's so many moving parts in there. But it's it's interesting to think about all those things. Maybe the fact that we're thinking about all those things now is something you should think about before you get married, you know. But how would you have that experience unless you were I don't know. It's 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 interesting. I don't think, to think you about can. That. I mean, I, I just right. think everyone goes into marriage sort of idealizing it. And sure. um, as I read about it, a little bit about the book, a lot of it's like movies and this idea that we're right. taught of this soulmate thing and this everlasting bliss that we'll we'll receive when we get married. It's almost like this weird club that no one tells you the secrets of, like you just have to go in. Yeah. Um, 
and and yeah, there's a luck factor. You just if you manage to find that right person that's you know willing to fight and willing to um, get through the the period where like you kind of wake up from your uh, drunken bliss, um, right. whatever the first few years of the relationship, and go, oh, okay, this is this is more what it's about. I mean, this this isn't really necessarily what I was told, but it's nice anyway. Like maybe this is this is good enough for me, you know. Um. So yeah, I, I blame the media for or the movies industry for that. But yeah, it, it, it's a game of luck because you know my ex-wife on paper seemed like my perfect match. You know, I'm like I had no doubt about it. I'm like, yep, I want to marry this chick. We have all this stuff in common. It's awesome. Love her family. And then um, you know, it is what it is. It's a luck game. She wasn't didn't want to fight or whatever, or wasn't happy and didn't tell me or whatever it was. So I just uh. Bad luck, I guess. And you always yeah. think that you're choosing the right person, but you can't really know until, until it gets challenging. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting conundrum to not know what the other person is thinking, especially you don't really have any control over what that person tells you. You know, if they choose to not tell you things, like you would never know. Yeah, and there's way worse examples I've heard from friends sure. that have that were involved with narcissists mm. or sociopaths that they thought they were in love that they thought the person was in love with them. Turns out they had like two or three other girlfriends who all thought the same thing. Um, mm. And you know, and then it, as I write in the book, like I don't, I never really knew. I guess I, I never really knew my ex-wife what she really thought because what I saw and lived was different apparently from what she was feeling and thinking. And then, um, yeah, I mean, how can you really know anybody? Because we're always like, I'm figuring myself out as I go, you're figuring yourself out. It's just evolution. I can't say I a hundred percent know who I am because maybe in five years I will be somewhat different. So if we can't even know ourselves, how can we ever hope to truly know another person? Um, and maybe they're not, they're not, some people uh, conceal themselves on purpose, but I think a lot of people do it without realizing it just because they don't really know themselves and then they grow. And then, the, and then the challenge is, are you just with the right person that you can grow in that framework together and, and keep it going? Or, or do you just grow too differently? So that's the luck part, I think. Do you think there's a cultural aspect to it too? Like, you know, we've talked about the acceleration of our culture or the Western culture and the idea of money and how this material world kind of has really become important. Well, when you look back to, you know, times before the Great Depression where, you know, the family unit was something that was, you know, built up as an idol that people wanted to have. And now, independence is something more that seems to be put on a pedestal versus dependence. It almost has a negative connotation to it. So is there some sort of cultural social structure to it that could be affecting the divorce rate in your opinion? I don't know. I just, I think we tend to glorify like the old days, you know, sure. they think that the, sure. in, in the past, you know, everyone was happier, the family unit and everyone was getting along and there was no divorce and stuff. But I don't know if that was true. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how many people miserably stayed together during those days as well. And, um, but I think maybe in some, some ways we've gone the other direction, maybe too far where we're, we're just used to 
you know, not fighting for things, the instant mm -hmm. gratification society. It's not going well. I'll just end this and I'll find someone else. Mm. And like, while you're young, you can, but I think at a certain point you have to make different decisions. Like when you get older, it's like, well, if I'm 50, I can't just go out and date like I could when I was in my twenties. Um, and maybe that's settling. Maybe at some point you, everybody just settles because they're like, all right, this person's pretty. All right. Uh, I love them. They're fun to be around. Maybe that's enough. They're nice to me. And I think that like, as you get older, standards change, right? Now I'm just mm -hmm. happy if somebody's just not crazy and nice, mm -hmm. but that's like, you know, a, a lower bar maybe than I used to have when I was looking for this like perfect person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a balance to be struck between the old school way of like hanging on at all costs, no matter how miserable I am, no how miserable the, the kids are versus now we're just like, yeah, I'm done with this. Let's just you know move on. It's interesting. I, when I look at, when I think about divorce and I think about my parents, they got married in their twenties and they were 20 or, you know, they, they were kids in their twenties and like they, they made those kind of decisions. And I look at myself in my twenties and some of the relationships that I had. And I think to myself, you know, this, there could have been something that happened here. Like what, what if this young girl that I was dating at that time got pregnant I probably would have got married and I could see when I, when I, if I'm being honest with myself, I could see myself in the exact same relationship that my parents were in, and I could see that exact same thing happening to me. And so I, I try to look at it from that aspect. Do you were your parents divorced, and do you see a pattern in in the way your relationships are? No, my parents are one of the few that stayed together. Most there's a couple a couple of my friends' parents stayed together, but a lot of them were divorced. I mean. Yeah, they they seem to have a really pretty good relationship. So it wasn't like I was predisposed to right. to uh, divorce. In fact, the opposite. Like my experience is that you know you can stay together and make it work. Um, but yeah, there is something to be said about waiting because you probably need to do like <laughs> I don't know some kind of a thorough inventory of <laughs> what the other person really believes mm -hmm. and values before. And maybe I was too young. I wasn't that young. I got married at 30 young or 31 mm -hmm. or 30. But I don't know. Maybe you should wait till you're 40 or something. I don't, I don't really know. But I, almost everyone I know who got married in their mid-20s is divorced now with a couple exceptions. Yeah, you 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 really change through life. And you. I think one of two things happens. You either grow apart or you grow together. And it's there's so many tragedies along the way that are just waiting in the road to break people apart because life is hard. You know, ideas are hard and jobs are hard and wants are hard and trying to balance your life with someone else's life is difficult. And, you know, I, it's a, it's an interesting inst And I heard another great quote. I forgot who said it, but it was something along the lines of marriage is a great institution. If you love institutions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is an institution it's it's almost like its own entity yeah and um i think that's one thing i didn't consider when i got married the first time i just i thought it was just about love but it's not it's something different it's almost like another person's in the room and um and you don't want to be a cold rationalist about stuff but maybe maybe you should think about some of this stuff before you do it you know yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's a battle of like 
Do you want to just follow your heart completely? Because I've got two minds on this one. Because your heart can lead you astray uh, a lot. But then again, it will take you to something that you will grow from. So should you follow your heart or not? You know what I mean? If I hadn't yeah. followed my heart, I wouldn't have had the resulting um, you know, trauma and growth. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question. I I don't I don't know the answer to that one. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have any answers. I stress that in the book. I'm like, I don't know. I don't understand relationships. <laughs> right. I don't understand right. what the right model is. This is just my my uh, series of questions and self-reflections. And hopefully somebody has those thoughts before and uh, resonates with it. Well, that's a very honest answer. <laughs> yeah. And like I say at the end of the book, like I'm in a relationship now, but like, I don't know. I don't know why it works. We couldn't be more different. And um, that's certainly not what I thought about relationships before like i thought i needed to be someone that was a lot like me mm. and then that was important but maybe maybe not maybe it's just being with the person that will fight for you and maybe that's that's enough mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's interesting i i it's interesting you had mentioned that a large number of the people you know who got married in their 20s ended up getting divorced it seems like you know, uh, I know some people that were high school sweethearts and they stayed together. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm, yeah. I want to try to draw this little parallel here. It seems to me like, you know, the first relationship that you fall in love with is, is sort of idealistic and pure in some ways. And if that can be maintained, maybe it has longevity, but as you, as you build up more relationships and, and, you know, say by the time you're 35, you've had five, long relationships you've built up this library of okay well jessica was great for these things and sandy was great for these things and barbara was cool for these things and like you kind of know what you're willing to put up with and what you're not willing to put up with and on some level that provides you with you know and i and i think once you once you gain that what you get with that knowledge is like you know um well, I don't like this thing about that person. Then the next question is, well, what don't they like about you? Because, you know, you yeah. you probably have a lot of things they don't like about you. And that kind of puts mm -hmm. things in perspective. And so by the time you do get a little bit older, you realize, hey, I'm not the perfect match either. So maybe I should just shut my mouth when I'm thinking about these bad things about that person. Or <laughs> do I really need to fight this battle? Because what's going to come at me from over here, I might not want to know. But yeah, so it seems like on a, a pure Young love can have the ability to go the distance and a more mature love that is understanding of flaws can go the distance. But that 20 year old one is like, yeah, I made a mistake. I can't do this. You know, it's just, yeah. Just, is that, is that, does that make any sense at all? <laughs> kind of. I mean, the young love thing, I mean, it could also be that they're just, they don't know anything else. So they're, yeah, they're just like, I'll do what I got. Yeah. Great. Point. Um, and I was thinking lately, I've been thinking about how I don't think there is such a thing as a normal relationship. Ooh, I think well every said. relationship is like weird or weird in, in its own unique ways. Yeah. Because there are a lot of um, relationships I see where I go, man, I don't really understand how that works, but it <laughs> yeah. works for them. And it's the same with mine when I'm trying to explain yeah. my, my relationship to my my family. 
And they're like, I don't get it. Like, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's weird in a specific way. Uh, it's, it's certainly not perfect, but it still seems to be working. Yeah. And, um, every, everybody I know has got some, some thing in their relationship, like some weird behavior or whatever. And, um, this is a question I don't know is like, are, are we all just settling or are we just lowering the bar and just saying this person's got more good qualities in bad. I'm willing to overlook all this other weirdness because, um, most I'm happy most of the time. And maybe it's just about being happy most of the time and not looking for perfection. Yeah. I, yeah I, everybody, I, everybody I, has some weird quirk to their relationship. So weird is normal, I think. Yeah, it's it's a great point. Like there's there's no definition of normal. And sometimes my wife will be like, Dude, you're a lunatic. And I'm like, well, what kind of a person marries a lunatic? You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> But I think people are still looking. Uh, it's like in my brief stint dating, uh, people are still looking for this perfect, magical, soul-matching chemistry type mm. stuff. But I just don't think that's real. I think no, it's not. Being human is real. Like flaws are real. Like fights are real. Yes. Um, wanting to sleep in different rooms sometimes is real because, like, I want my space. You know, and I'd yeah. rather just have my own space for a few days and then busy on the weekends. That's yeah. honest. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You snore too loud. I can't even sleep. Yeah. I can't <laughs> I mean, sleep. Like, I can't snore. do it. I'll be yeah. right over here. If you need me. Snore at all. I'm out of the relationship or at least in a different bedroom. Like I can't sleep. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know? and those are the things that nobody, no one tells you that stuff before you get married. And then there's this, well, how we're failing. Cause we're not doing, no, you're not, you're, you're, you're you're finding ways to work with each other to to get through the day and like that's that's maybe it is this i this romantic idea of disney movies and princesses and princes and you know this these ideas that we indoctrinate kids with to have unrealistic expectations and maybe it exists like maybe i'm just maybe i just haven't found that magic that i saw in the in the movies where it's like this faded everlasting love thing but i don't personally know anybody that feels that way about their spouse they love their spouses but i don't know if they feel that the portrait like the portrayal in movies type undying soulmatey type stuff um so i don't know if that's a misdirection of of media or if like we're all just settling because we haven't found it you know that's something i think about sometimes too like maybe Maybe that's part of it. But then I see people that uh, decide not to settle and they just stay single forever because mm -hmm. they never find that. And yeah. that's a choice too. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being single. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, on, on, a, on the, on the idea of the storybook movie and, and this dream of a perfect love, while that may not be something that is, rational knowing about it can give you the power to provide it to the other person from time to time and i think that there's a lot of power in that like if but and like you said in the beginning of when we started talking about your book like you know i could have been more romantic i think for a guy like there are times when you should try to be prince charming like just get the suit of armor show up at the house rent a white horse or whatever it is from time to time be, rent a white horse that's an awesome idea yeah right like <laughs> like yeah. to go way go over the top 
over-the-top, chivalry, romantic to the point of ridiculousness. And I think that it will pay dividends the next time you do something really dumb. You know, the mm-hmm. next time you do because because you're going to you're gonna you're gonna do something way under the, house the bar. On yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man, absolutely. <laughs> and so going out of the way to 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 try to be the the knight in shining armor shows that you're trying to provide that that the princess with the opportunity and and it can be fun too. You know, I I think that there's a lot there and. You know, maybe there's that's great. Groups. I really like that creating creating your own fairy tale in a way on a small scale. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're giving her the feeling of the, what she wants to feel from the movie she grew up with. Yeah, it's like you're giving her that, giving her that, and and you know what happens? What I have found is when you do that, pretty soon it gets reciprocated, you know, and then next thing you know, like. Maybe they're maybe they're playing a role that you've always wanted them to play, and then and then you think maybe it's just a big giant game of role play. This whole relationship thing, you know. And if uh, life life is, I mean, so that that correlates with my theory of how life works, right? And that it goes back into the idea of choosing, because you're, you know, you're choosing to love, and then you're also choosing to provide your partner with that those feelings. It doesn't just happen. That's I guess that's right. the point. Like it doesn't yeah. just happen. It may it may feel like that for a while, like it just happened, it's faded, and then, but eventually that kind of seems to fade, and then you have to kind of choose to keep doing it. I had a I had an interesting conversation with a, one of my mentors when I was a younger man in my twenties, and he was married, and uh, we were talking about relationships and love, and and uh, I was bouncing around, you know, I, I bouncing around all this, just being a knucklehead. And I was telling him like, yeah, you know, it doesn't work. Relationships never work. And he's like, you know why? And I'm like, no. He goes, because one person is always more in love than the other person. I started thinking to mm-hmm. myself like, it's pretty deep, you know. But then I, I thought about it for a while, and I'm like, like it made me kind of sad to think like, because I was in the perspective like he was saying like, oh, this one person is always more in love than the other. But then I thought, well. Maybe that switches back and forth, though. Like maybe the guy yeah. is with a girl, and the, he's like, "Oh, this girl is, loves me so much." Or maybe it's the girl's like, "This guy's way too into me." But I've learned in my relationships, sometimes like I've felt that way, where like this person loves me more than I love them. But it's not long before I realize I start asking, "My wow, I wonder why they love me." And then it kind of, it kind of, it's like a magnet, kind of like north and south pole, just moving between each other. I don't, I don't yeah. have a real good answer, but it's, it's an interesting thought. To think that one person is always more in love. And I, I like to think that that moves back and forth. Yeah, I mean, sort of, it makes sense to me, like theoretically, that that is a polarity or like a center yeah. of gravity that would shift over time. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? It's. So do you think that if you get married again, you'll write another book called So She Said Yes? I'll probably just update the last one and then right. write a sentence. I was wrong about everything. Thanks for reading. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious yeah man oh man yeah i don't know nobody does but hey it's cool to have this platform to talk about this stuff i love it man i i don't i have i don't think i've had this conversation since i since i was a man in my 20s man and i i love that you wrote this book because i've i've read it and i think that 
any man who is in a relationship would benefit from reading this book. And especially if you, if you haven't got it out publishing yet and you're giving away a copy or two, like anybody listening to this, like you go to Kevin's page, fill out the form and get the book because I know a couple of things are going to happen. One, you're going to lose. You're going to learn some things. And two is you're going to laugh your ass off because there's a lot of humor in there. And I love that you have like this dry humor that it's just like you're reading the book. And then I found myself like, ah, I started laughing about things and it, it's painful. <laughs> yeah, it does. It really does. It, you're, you're a great writer, Kevin. And I've, I've enjoyed both of your books so far. And um, I'm you, happy George. you wrote it. I, I, I would, I, if I could reach through there and force you to get the publisher and the artwork done and get it out on Amazon, I, I would do that. Or if, hopefully my words will influence you to, to get on it. Cause I, I think people could benefit from it, Kevin. And it's, it's more than just you putting out a book and, 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 and getting to talk to people about it, but I, I think it can help people. So that's why I pump it so hard. Oh, thanks. I appreciate you uh, pumping it. Yeah, man. The publishing I, I thing awesome. is a bit, a bit of a challenge because sure. I was trying it with the first book. Uh, I also tried it, but um, every publisher now basically wants you to already have a platform. Yeah. And I don't have any following. So I'm like not interesting to them. And I'm, then I'm thinking, well, what do I need a publisher for if they want me to do my own promotion? Isn't that what they're supposed to do for me? Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, then you go self-publish, but then you've got to do your own marketing and I'm just shit at that so i'm like all right, i'm just gonna put it out there and just yeah. see if anybody wants it yeah but, uh, but I no i will eventually i just need yeah. the right cover art and then um i'll put it on amazon i'll do the audiobook probably someday that's what i liked about um you know young successful and miserable was that i could get it on audible and i could hear your voice going through it and i, I felt that like the real character came out of the book because you got the author reading it and they know exactly how the cadence should be and how the thoughts should line up with the words. And, and so, uh, yeah, I, um, let's, let's, when you, when you get the cover done, let's come back on again. And, and, and I would love to hear okay. the story about like the cover year, art. Like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be on the floor then too, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, for sure. it's to be continued. Well, before... I had someone do the draft for me, but it's, it didn't finish. So the cover of draft. Yeah, I know exactly what I want. I just need someone okay. to do it because uh, I'm not artistic. Well, you know what? Like you can – um, there's all those things like DaVinci, like those chat GPT AIs where you just prompt the cover and then it will pump it hmm. out for you. Interesting. It might be, it might be worth, might be uh, worth taking a gander at that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. That's all I have. I've heard that they're really good at that. I just haven't tried it. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing with, it's all in the, it's all in the explanation of what you want, you know, to get you the right image. So I actually, I have, I'll send you a link. I got, I got a couple cool programs that I use for thumbnails and stuff like that, that are pretty, that's fantastic. Pretty interesting. So, yeah. Well, before I let you go, Kev, where can people find you? What do you got coming up and uh, what are you excited about? Um, I'm not really that on social media. I'm still on LinkedIn, so okay. you can go on LinkedIn. I'm very quiet on there nowadays. So I probably right. only post like twice a month. I'm kind of uh, sick of social media, but I'm still on there. <laughs> right, um, right. Otherwise, otherwise, the website, kevinholt.me, those are the only two places right now that uh, I'm online. And mainly I'm excited about the dive school. Yeah. I'm reading all about how different ways you can die underwater. It's super fascinating. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I'm going to be in Norway in a tiny cabin for four months on my own, which should be cool right by a lake in a forest. Um, I'll be around Europe. If anyone's in Europe and wants to look me up probably most of the rest of this year. You should document that dive school, like, like a, like a video journal of it, you know, or like, Hey, here's day I just one. Can't, and man. Kind I just of, can't do it. I know you can't. I, I would love, I would love it if I could get around it. I just can't do it. I can't, I'm, I'm shit at that. I'm shit at being on camera. I'm <laughs> shit at talking about myself like that. Um, it just feels like a chore. Now, there's some people that love it. I just, I just don't. Right. Yeah. I'm excited for the dive school for you. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again, man. I had a lot of fun being on your, on your show. Yeah, man. Well, I love having you in, in it's, it's easy to talk to people who are interesting. So I appreciate it. I appreciate the book. I, I appreciate you having a, a candid book that's honest about relationships. Cause I, I don't think there's enough of that out there, man. So appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon and I uh, will touch base right, and uh, figure some things out, man. I love you, buddy. Thanks for All coming right. on and we'll Be talk to you soon, man. Love you. All thanks right. for having me. Yep. Good luck. time. Okay. Aloha. Leave studio. Aloha everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I would just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart, listen to the song on the wind, and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.